0: to welcome On In. It is Overtime with Jonathan Pito. I'm glad you guys could all be with me here on this Wednesday. And it's a nice Wednesday. Not that I'm like ranking Wednesdays or anything like that, but this one felt like a particularly nice Wednesday. Although I will say, I did do it once again, right? I, I think to myself, it's only a four-hour show, solo. Can't be too long, right? It's, it's kind of sad uh, and a little alarming that that's my thought process now as we've completely dove, sh- you know, head first into this whole thing where it's like hey, when they take an hour off and they chop it off in the very beginning and then I'm like eight to midnight, and we're barely on the air, it's barely even talking. But that's where we're at today. Tomorrow I do have an off day because the NFL season starts and Westwood One coverage right here on the fan will take you guys We'll take over at eight o'clock. We got a, another show at seven o'clock. Eight o'clock is the football game. And then I'll be back with you guys hanging out on Friday night. We also got CBS Sports Radio on Saturday. And then obviously the big kickoff on Sunday. I've still yet to go through my head exactly how that's going to work. I think on Saturday, I, so I've done a good job in my mind and I don't know, might just be in my mind of on the national stage, anytime I get the opportunity to, which seems like it's basically been every other week for going on almost two years now, right? It's been about every other week. I try to incorporate Cleveland a good amount. Not only because I'm proud to live here. I'm proud to call it my home. I'm very just excited to be in Cleveland, Ohio. I love the teams here. I love the people here. I love the very cheap public golf here. There's a lot to like about Cleveland. No traffic. I I can go on all day. Lots to like about Cleveland. But... I try to make sure that I truly do reflect how the people are feeling. And on Saturday, I don't know that I truly reflect how you guys feel right now as we try to figure out what exactly this Browns team is going to be, but more importantly, whether or not we have confidence with Deshaun Watson. I've said for four months I believe that the Browns are a, an 11-win team. That's what I keep saying. 11-win team for four months. We played the schedule game that night. I'll never forget it because it was a... It was a cool way of doing the schedule game. It wasn't just like going through up and down. And I remember there was a part where, if we didn't have the FCC involved, and I'm not—I don't swear, which is something you guys might not know about me. But like off the air, Jax, you're just never going to hear me just drop an f-bomb. It doesn't happen, okay? I just don't swear. It's not—it's a a thing I don't do. I swore when I was a little kid, and I swore because there was a shock factor involved to swearing when you're a twelve-year-old. That's honestly the only thing—I only thing I enjoyed about it. I think you swear as a twelve-year-old around like an actual adult. They, they stopped dead in their tracks and they're like, he said what? Who's raising this kid? And it was just a simple way of me just getting a response out of people, which is actually very funny that you fast forward and my life's work is basically finding ways to get responses out of people. I'm very well aware of how this, I get it honestly. Let's put it that way. I get it honestly. But then I started doing this, I started getting into this and I'm like, I just don't, I don't want to swear. I don't want to swear. I don't want to accidentally swear and then end up getting Jacks fired, getting me fired, getting everyone fired in the process. I don't want that, okay? So I just don't do it. But I remember that night, and I remember just being so mad at the league office. I didn't think it was intentional, but I don't know how else to explain three out of the first four games are against the AFC North, the toughest division in sports, and then week five out of the bye week is against San Francisco. I just I don't know how to explain that. Like Tennessee is the consolation prize. Okay, fine, whatever. But the, the league office works in mysterious ways. It is what it is. And I remember even that night, and going through the early parts and talking to Josh Roundtree covers the Steelers. Rob Long covers the Ravens. We had James Rapine who covers the Bengals. On we basically did like seven minutes with each of them, spread out over like a four hour stretch. And I just kept thinking about how this season is set up for this team. But then, I was banking on the confidence with Deshaun Watson that he was going to get it right. At the time that we did that show, I said 11 wins, but in the back of my mind, it still came, really, I shouldn't even say back of my mind, talking to you guys, came with the caveat attached to it that we have to see something from Deshaun Watson. We had to see something. And I know you're going to say, but Jonathan, all you saw was eight completed passes in this preseason. That's not good enough. Well, first off, I did see a more confident Deshaun Watson, which does matter. But just listen to the way that he talked. And you guys know I am the first person to tell you, don't take these players at their word when they say stuff. It's not that. It's not taking these players at their word. It's not taking Deshaun at his word for what he says. It's the tone with which he says it. It's the demeanor with which he says it. And I saw this change about three weeks ago. I saw him in the first press conference he made before he went to the Greenbrier. Excuse me. Let's go further back. When he did the, the press conference at the, the golf outing where he, where he said basically that, uh, you know, publicly he thought DeAndre Hopkins was great, but he didn't, you know, out of his control. When I said he should have been campaigning for DeAndre Hopkins, if that's who he really wanted, but I thought his, I thought his statement publicly didn't match what he said privately. It was what it was. But when he was talking about the on field stuff, Deshaun Watson didn't seem very, at least in my perception of it, didn't seem very confident. Still seemed like somebody that had to do a lot of work with Kevin Stefanski in order to get to a spot where they could end up having a really fun and successful season. Well, here was Deshaun Watson today. I'm going to play a couple clips for you guys. Eat it up. This is Deshaun earlier.
2: I'm very confident. To add on to that is just, a, you know, all the work has been put in. So we're going to continue to put in the work until that that first whistle and the ball is kicked off, and then we just got to go out there and, and just go play and just put things together and execute. And I think that's the biggest thing, go out there on the field and know that we put in the work and, you know, we have the team and the players around and the coach itself with the game plan to go out there and execute to try to win, you know, for our uh, Cleveland Browns.
0: That sounded like a confident human to me. And again, I do not take a lot out of what these guys say. I take it at face value. It's not that. It's not the words that came out of his mouth. It's the tone he had within these words that came out of his mouth. I'm just thinking about it from my own life, you know, from my own, what I've gone through in life. You know, I'm professional broadcaster. That's what I am. 24 years old, I was doing network radio. But the network radio I was doing was much different than doing, uh, let's say, live television on the four-letter network, right? Let's say at 24 years old, they said, hey, go up against Skip Bayless and go up against Colin Coward, and you're going to do four hours a day for a week, and we'll see what you got. I got confidence in myself in general, sure, but you telling me that's when we do at 24 years old? I'm probably going to be like, ooh, all right, I'll get on the plane, but I don't know how this is going to go down. I think it's going to go well, but I don't know that it's going to go well. Now I'm 34 years old. I've been doing this for a while. And if you told me to get on a plane and go do that, I would be, I'd be there with bells on. And I'd be telling everyone, Hey, watch ESPN tomorrow. It's going to go down. Can't wait for you to see what's going to happen here. There's confidence attached to that. You know, Deshaun Watson last year when he, you know, basically just flew into the regular season. After, you know, practicing at baseball fields and then getting D3 receivers to help him work out in the process. Did what he only could do. You know, he did the best that he could. It's not his fault. It was what it was. And I think even up until that part where we talked, he talked at the golf outing. where he Again, he just did not have the confidence that him and Stefanski were on the same page. Didn't, at least my impression of it, didn't seem like Deshaun knew 100% that he was going to get there. Because how could he? he? Hadn't worked with Stefanski as much as probably he would have liked. You know, he flew into the middle of a season last year. How do you get the work that you need when you fly into the middle of a season? But there was confidence today that I have not yet heard from Deshaun Watson. I don't know what light bulb went out in the previous, or went on, excuse me, in the previous two or three weeks. I have no idea. But when you hear him talking about basically the hay being in the barn, the work being done, everything he could possibly do, it's as if he left no stone unturned. He was committed to being the best quarterback he possibly could. We saw it with the Costa Rica trips. We saw it with the Instagram. We saw it with all the different workouts in Miami. We saw all the hard work he kept putting in. You know, one of the under-talked-about parts of this offseason, in my estimation, was the fact that Michael Woods got injured. Remember Michael Woods got injured? And the headline, the big part of the story, Michael Woods injured. Not going to be able to be there for the season. Injured. Out. And then you go like four paragraphs down into that headline, and you go into the actual story, and it's like, yeah, Michael Woods was working out with Deshaun Watson. At that point, nobody even knew that Michael Woods was working out with Deshaun Watson, but he was doing it. That's what was happening. And we kept finding stories like that over and over and over again. Different guys working out with Deshaun, different people working out with Deshaun. He got the work in. Anytime I go on any of those uh, different shows across the country, and they tell me, why is it going to be different? This year as opposed to last year. I tell him a couple different stories that always popped in my head. Listen, I'm not rewriting and, uh, putting together brand new think pieces for these guys. They're getting whichever one pops off the top of my dome. But I noticed as I was doing them, there, there kept being one that kept falling back into my, into my brain as I was telling it because I believe in it so much. I think last year he was wondering whether or not for the season, he spent the off season last year wondering whether or not he was going to end up in an orange prison suit as opposed to an orange jersey. And I think this offseason, what he's been able to do is understand this year is mine. From start to finish, I don't have to worry about any of that nonsense. I just have to go play football, and that's the part that any person in life could deal with. He told me I might never do radio again. I might end up in prison. You think I'm waking up at 5 in the morning to go ahead and scout out the latest Browns news and rumors and gossip? Probably not. I'm probably focused on how I get out of prison. Probably focused on how I make sure that I'm all right in the public eye and that I'm all right and taken care of so that I can actually one day maybe do the thing again. That's I'm telling you, that's what happened with Deshaun. He's dialed in. He's focused up. Listen to him talk about how he was in his last year in Houston relative to what his expectations are for this upcoming year here with Cleveland, and you tell me that this man isn't as confident as confident gets.
2: Just be me. And, you know, I don't want to return as a guy to Houston. I want to be better than that guy. So what I was, what is it, 2023, three years ago, I'm not the same guy. So I feel like I've evolved to a new level and I'm ready to be able to show that. You know, last year was a tricky time where, you know, I was learning everything, but I don't want to just get caught up on, hey, Houston this, Houston that. You know, I got had a lot of fun, a lot of success in Houston, but I want to have that success and start something new in Cleveland. So a lot of
1: people say, you know, you get back to the level that we're at in 2020, 2019 you're saying
2: you want to be better that level. of course and I know I can be I mean
0: I love it that is music to my ears I love hearing that and I know I know Jonathan it's just words it's just words you can tell whether or not somebody thinks they can do the job and whether somebody's just you know telling me what I want to hear he knows this day is com- Sunday's coming whether he likes it or not, Sunday's coming. There's no reason for him to say those statements and make those comments unless he fully believes that he has gotten himself back to a point where he was previously. I'm going to buy into it, not only because I watched in the limited amount of time that I saw, obviously throw training, cl- uh, training camp in there as well, but in the limited time we saw in the preseason, he showed me what I had to see. Yeah, I didn't bomb the ball 40 yards. Listen, the NFL isn't won by bombing the ball 40 yards. The NFL is about the other things. About being accurate when you have to be and the scramble ability that he showed, but the comfortability that he showed, I think was off the charts. Something about Deshaun and what he had to say today. It was his message to the rest of the NFL. I'm coming for you. In case you doubted me, I'm back. Like Jordan wearing the four or five. I'm back. 216474 to below 92. So we're days away. I'm off tomorrow. I'm back on Friday night, but I want to do a wellness check with you Browns fans out there, okay? I want to do a wellness check on you guys. In theory, this should be as confident as you can be right now with this Browns team. But let's go deeper. Let's talk about Deshaun Watson. Where's your confidence with your quarterback entering week one? Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. It's overtime. Jonathan Pidwin here with you on the fan.
2: Just be me, and you know I don't want to return as a guy at Houston. I want to be better than that guy. So what I was what is it 2023, three years ago. I'm not the same guy. So I feel like I've evolved to a new level and I'm ready to be able to show that you know last year was a tricky time where you know I was learning everything but I don't want to just get caught up on hey Houston this Houston that you know I got had a lot of fun a lot of success in Houston but I want to have that success and start something new and clear so a lot of
1: people say you know, to get back to the level you were at in 2020,
2: 2019 and you're
0: saying you want to be better within that level of course and I know I can be Add some the voice of Deshaun Watson yeah that was his pencil down moment When you take the test, now we get to find out if his hard work was actually hard work or if it was all just a mirage, just an Instagram mirage. But I don't think it is. My expectation for the Browns in week one is to win the game. I also have an expectation for the Browns to not only win week one, but to have a deep, deep postseason run attached to everything. And I can't tell you that I believe they can win the AFC North and they can have a deep postseason run and they can do all these things and then not have the expectation of them beating the Bengals in week one. But part of the reason why I have so much confidence, listen, I love this defense, but if you tell me we're winning week one because of the defense, I'll show you the exit door immediately. If you're hoping Miles Garrett and the D-line terrorize Burrow enough to get us a win, I'll tell you that's not what we're in for right now. It might happen. I hope it does. But if you're banking on the defense then I, I can't call you a true believer in what Deshaun and Stefanski have built up here. The reason why any team that we talk about in the AFC, NFC is different. It's a different beast. It's basically a different world over there. Any team we talk about in the AFC, though, comes with a good quarterback. That is the entry point. That is your comfort charge into the bar. Having a really good quarterback is the comfort charge. You must pay that price. Every team that we talk about seriously in the AFC has a good one. I almost just besmirched the good name of Brock Purdy, but I decided not to do that because the man went 8-0, and if he would have qualified, he would have led the league in passer rating last year, okay? But there's no Brock Purdy's hanging out in the AFC. There's no Jared Goff's hanging out in the AFC, even though I've gone side-by-side with his numbers relative to Joe Burrow, and they're actually remarkably similar. But that's a different exercise for a different time right now. I need to find out where your confidence is with Deshaun, as we now said, days away. Uh, days away. Let me do a wellness check. 474 0092. And I'm all right with the fact that on Saturday night, when I take on the CBS Sports Radio Airwaves. I always said that, like I'm taking it on like it's uh like I, I make the joke with Taylor Swift, I won't pay for a Taylor Swift concert because I know how it ends. It's Taylor Swift versus her piano. She wins every time. Meanwhile, I'm like, I'm taking on the CBS Sports Radio Airwaves, as if it's like me battling airwaves. But when I go on there on Saturday I'm going to be laughing like Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker when he shoots De Niro in the face, okay? It's going to be intense. But I'll be, I, the whole country might think I'm absolutely banana land and have lost my mind, but they're not like me and you who have been on this journey and have seen how the changes have taken place and the reality that this can be done. Unless you're not a believer, and that's fine. Listen, some people are saying they got to see it in order to believe it. I am a pragmatic human. Typically, I'm right there with you. When it comes to Deshaun and it comes to Safansky, a couple things I know. I don't need to see the two of them be awesome before the season gets underway in order to know that they will be awesome. Mainly because Kevin Safansky's never had a bad quarterback. Now, I mean, let me put this right. He's had bad quarterbacks, but those bad quarterbacks while playing with Kevin Safansky have never just been flat out bad. I'm not saying they turned into, you know, Tom Brady, but they've never been bad. Case Keenum was never bad. Jacoby Brissett was never bad. Baker, in the years he wasn't injured, was never bad. That's the Kevin Savansky difference, okay? That's what you're dealing with right there. And I know some of you guys just vomited in your car as I said that's the Kevin Savansky difference because you don't want to believe that there can actually be such a thing as the Kevin Savansky difference. But I'm telling you, he's Kyle Shanahan light. Kyle Shanahan was a spectacular coach to a lot of different quarterbacks. Where he was great, though, and this is what I'm banking on with Deshaun, if we can use that as the the lowest bar that he's going to be able to clear here. Where he was great was the one time he got to you know play with anything close to a Ferrari in Matt Ryan in 2016 when they went to the Super Bowl. They blew the 28-3 to lead in the Super Bowl. We don't want to talk about that. What we do want to talk about is the fact that Matt Ryan had one of the best non-Patrick Mahomes seasons in the previous decade of the NFL when he won the league MVP in 2016. That was with Shanahan. I believe Kevin Stefanski is cut from a very similar cloth. They're able to take any quarterback and make them much better than they are. So if he's taking Jacoby Brissett to heights he's never seen, where at one point they had a top-five offense, I'm just going to live with the fact that Deshaun Watson, who I've seen the two of them side-by-side, side, Deshaun looked much, much better. Much better. And obviously I only saw him in training camp here. I didn't go to Houston and then have Jacoby Brissett fly in and, and figure that out four years ago. It was, I mean, just last year. Side-by-side. Side, wasn't even close. Sean Watson's going to be more than fine. Now, you want to debate whether he wants to be a top five or needs to be a top ten? Hey, your dime, your dance for. I'm here till midnight. If you don't like the topic, I'm here till midnight. But what I want to discuss is where your confidence currently is with Deshaun Watson as we enter week one. Because the reality is, for week one, he's got to be better than Joe Burrow in my mind. He's got to be better than Joe Burrow. I say that because as good as this defense is going to be for the Browns and as many plays as I think they're going to make, I think it's going to come down to an offensive game. I think Joe Burrow is so good. I think there's two quarterbacks out there that can basically call out what they want to do in any given game. I think Joe Burrow is one of them. I think Mahomes is the other. Where it doesn't matter if you have the 85 Bears out there, it doesn't matter what defense you have out there, they're going to be able to call their shot. I would say in most situations this upcoming season, the Browns will have the better defense. So it won't necessarily be Deshaun Watson versus Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson versus... Kenny Pickett. Yeah, most situations, I don't think it's going to come down to to you know a mono e mono type matchup like that because the defense is going to have their big say in the matter. And the Browns' defense should be able any given week. We believe what they can be as well. Should any given week uh, week be able to, you know, boost up Deshaun Watson? I I, I talked in the previous week about the Eagles, the Eagles last year in going to the Super Bowl. They had five games in my mind where the Eagles' defense was put in a situation or put the the offense in a situation where Jalen Hurts didn't even have to break a sweat. Five games where their defense held the opposing team's offense to fewer than 10 points. Two of them were in the postseason. The divisional game against the Giants. The game against the 49ers where Brock Purdy got injured. And the other three happened in the regular season, obviously. But five games total. I'm expecting the Browns defense to do something similar to that. Maybe three or four games in the regular season, Deshaun doesn't even have to show up if he didn't want to. Could just flat out stink. Like, it could just be awful. Doesn't matter. And then the other game, you know, maybe a postseason game, the defense comes up big. I like that. I like that idea behind that. But I need to know. We are we're inching closer and closer to this. Where's your confidence with Deshaun entering week one? Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Here's more with Deshaun and what he had to say about taking on the Bengals in Week 1 and whether or not winning Week 1 sets the tone.
2: Every opener is going to set the tone for the season. You want to ride, you want to go into the season with a victory, and um, that's what everyone is striving for. But every week is a new week, and it's a new opportunity, and a lot of things happen in the NFL, but we got to lock in and focus on this week, and that's what we've been focused on is September 10th at 1 o'clock in Cleveland Brown Stadium, and, um, yeah, we want to go out there and uh, go have fun.
0: At least he's got the date and the time down. That's nice to know. It would be funny if he was just like, Yeah, I'm Monday night football guys, can't wait. MNF and someone has to like whisper in his ear like Deshaun, Hey man, that's uh that's week two against Pittsburgh. Like that old Southwest commercial where the 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 guy's on the stage and he's like, Detroit, we love you guy goes in his ear, Detroit was last night. Ooh. Tough break. Sean's dialed. I told Jax before the show, I said, Jax, you ready tonight? You gotta bring the A game tonight? Get yourself dialed up. Jackson's like, locked in, man. I'm locked in. Deshaun Watson, same thing. All day today. You can just tell. The vibes from the entire press conference, and I'm not reading to a press conference guy, but the entire vibes from the press conference is exactly what I wanted to hear. There was confidence just oozing from Deshaun Watson. Confidence because I really do believe that he's on the same page with Kevin Stefanski. Now, maybe part of that reasoning is because it feels like Kevin Stefanski has all but genuflected at the altar of Deshaun Watson. I think it's a business move. I think it's perfectly fine. I think it's a business move. I think he knows that Deshaun Watson is the one that is ultimately going to be calling the shots of whether or not Stefanski stays or goes. I think that's fair. Is that fair? I think that's fair. I think Stefanski knows he's got a boss. His boss is not necessarily Andrew Barry in this equation. His boss is the man that makes $230 million in guaranteed money in Deshaun Watson. So I think he's doing what... A lot of us in that situation would do, which is, all right, Deshaun, you want to call the plays? Let's see you call the plays. Let's see what you, let's see what you like. Let's see what you got. And then they go from there and they try to collaborate. And ultimately, what's going to happen here, and I really do believe this, I think a lot of people are focused on the win loss record. The win loss record is a major, major part of this. But if there's a coin flip to this equation, like if you're, if you're one way or the other, if you're, if you, let's say the season ends, and the Browns fall short of my expectations, and let's say it's a 9-win team instead of an 11-win team, and let's say you won three out of the last four, you beat the Jets in that Week 17 game, you beat the Bengals in Week 18, if things are looking on the upside, right? Things are things are trending in the right direction. I think if it's one of those close calls, tie goes to the runner type situations, Deshaun will have the final say in whether or not he thinks you can win big with Kevin Safansky. So I think what Stefanski's doing here is smart. I think Stefanski's understood. I gotta collab up. I gotta decide what he likes. And I gotta cater to what he likes as well. Cause ultimately the person I have to appease if I want to keep my job, well, his name is Deshaun Watson. You know, the, the, 53 man roster is not created equally. You can make Wyatt Teller mad until the cows come home. It doesn't matter. it will be fine. You'll figure something out. You can even make Miles Garrett mad if you want to. He'll be fine. You'll figure things out. But with Deshaun Watson and the man that's got guaranteed money for the next three years after this year, you got to make sure that you guys are on the same page. And I think based off of what we heard today and based off of what we've been hearing in the previous couple weeks, we've hit a point where the two sides feel like they're simpatico. Feels like Deshaun got what he wanted out of Stefanski, and it feels like Stefanski's gotten what he wants out of Deshaun, And I've never felt better about where this Browns team is. I know. This is the time of the year that I'm supposed to feel really good about this Browns team. This is the time of the year that I'm supposed to be putting on the brown-colored glasses. I understand it. I get it. I But I we've been going for four months on this. You guys know, the only thing left I needed to see is what I saw earlier today, and that was after seeing him be confident in the pocket, changing around the rhetoric that he gave us a month and change ago when he was at the golf outing and now speaking like he did today where it's not a question mark, he's going to be good. He's not debating it. He's not wondering it. And if anybody is going to know whether or not he's at his best and at where he needs to be, it's going to be Deshaun Watson. He's going to know. Same way I'll know before I enter and go onto a, a radio show whether or not I got it that night, whether or not I, I, I've I left anything on the table. I know these things. We know these things. Same thing with Deshaun. You go to your job, same type of thing. You could not do your job for three years. You come back, you can tell instantly whether or not you could do it the same way that you used to. You know instantly. And then you would know at what point when you got back into it whether or not you got back to where you were. That's just the reality of it. Do anything. Do a hobby, for instance. I know with golf... I don't hit golf balls for a couple of days. I know where I'm at. It's not hard. You can figure these things out. Deshaun knows. He's trusted his body. He's put the work in. He's ready to go. Two one six four seven four to below ninety two. Let's do this like a Brazilian steakhouse, okay? Green side up, red side down. Do you you buy in what I'm selling here? When it comes to the confidence with Deshaun Watson, am I almost like one of those like Billy Mays type guys where I'm overselling it just a little bit to you guys? Where it feels like maybe I'm I, I'm I'm going to try to give you the, a sham wow deal two for the price of one because right now it feels like if I were to try to represent the city of Cleveland and I was trying to give the pulse of the fan base I don't know that more than fifty percent of people out there would have the same thoughts I do and the belief with Deshaun Watson do you to below ninety two it's overtime with Jonathan the here with you on the fam. Just a lot to get into. Uh, we'll get back to Deshaun in just a second. Jack, she did go to the wedding over the weekend. now. And so I was a I had to give a toast for a wedding a couple weeks ago. I went for my brother-in-law's wedding, and I did the toast with my wife, which, by the way, looking back on it, I think was a very cool way of doing things. Mainly because I just, I, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't think about it in, in the moment. I didn't think how cool it would be to look back and think, like, yeah, my wife and I, we, we got to, like, combo, like, tag team that one. It's just a fun, fun book back, so to speak. But I put a lot of time and thought into mine. My wife, just she she put time and thought into hers, but she read it off her phone. And me being like the broadcaster I am, I couldn't bring myself to just read it off the phone like 98% of people do. And so I had to memorize it, and then I had to, uh, it was like a whole thing, right? And I, I freaked myself out over it for a couple different reasons. The biggest, I think, being the fact that everyone thinks because you're a broadcaster, you're like a public speaker. I'm not a public speaker. I'm not. I speak to you guys, but I'm speaking to friends here. And also, I don't see how many people I'm speaking to when I speak to you guys. Not a thing. Like I mean, there's numbers, but they might as well be just making up numbers at that point. It's not real. That's not reality to me in the slightest bit. I just that's not how I approach radio shows. I approach radio shows where I am talking to you. You listening right now. I'm talking to you and only you, and that's it. That's all I ever think about. I'm talking to you, and that's it. I'm not talking to the whole mass of everyone. It's not like a big auditorium, but people get that wrong in their head. They think, Oh, broadcaster, he's got to do this. Now I can public speak. So I'm fine and comfortable doing it, but it's not my favorite thing in the world, but it's like, I got to make it perfect. Anyway, we didn't make it perfect. We just did our best. Ultimately, at some point, you got to throw in the towel and say, Uh, we tried, but Jax, you got to speak. And what I was curious about is, so Jax, I tried giving you advice last week on it. And then you told me that. Every groomsman was making a speech, which at that point I told you, don't worry about it. I said, go up there. I think I gave you the lines you even had to use. Make it like 45 seconds. Everyone will love that it's short and it's sweet. And then you tell them, uh, we love you both. We wish you the
1: very best. Congratulations. Cheers. And you keep it moving. How did you do? So there was only... Three groomsmen, three bridesmaids. Oh, they cut it they cut down the list. Yes. There's oh, only this, three of each. This first off, it's still that's seven would, or
0: six speeches. Yeah. Which is great math there, by the way. I was including <laughs> you outside of the three groomsmen in my head. I'm like, okay, so four. Four plus three is seven. Great job. Uh okay. All
1: right, that changes it. That's different than twelve people speaking. Yeah, well, I, had but already it's written, still, I already wrote my speech wrote my speech. I was probably the shortest speech, but not by that much. It was like 30, How far? 30, 35 seconds long.
0: Oh, yeah. That's the sweet spot. Yeah. That's the sweet spot of we did not really even try was, and we're going it short. Was short
1: and sweet. Did you yeah. do it off the top of the dome? I did. not I had, I had to look down. What? I got, I got too nervous. What? I want to put a ban on people looking down in their phones <laughs> for speeches. I, Nonetheless, I didn't read it. 35 off. seconds I, of a speech and you I couldn't glance down if I got stuck. Like, Oh, I knew most of it, but... Jake, if
0: you get asked to do a speech, are you memorizing the thing, or are you looking down?
1: Uh, interestingly enough, I have a speech coming up at my sister's wedding uh, this weekend, and... This weekend, nice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to attempt to memorize it, but I will absolutely have a sheet of paper ready uh-huh. to go as a fail- as a fail-safe. You know, the last thing you want to do is get up there <sighs> and miss something or joke, but... I'm gonna try not to look down you know I'm not gonna fully expose the paper ready to go but if I got to go to it I gotta go I'm to a it. little disappointed
0: are you one of 12 people also speaking
1: on the evening or is there you, know, you got like just uh, one other how many people are speaking in the in, when you're speaking you're exposed to me. I, I don't I don't know off the top of my head that's okay I, I don't keep track of it I'm really bad at that but' well, it's think not about very it this many. way are you are you on are you during the wedding or are you on the Friday night
0: rehearsal dinner when are you speaking I'm speaking on the wedding you're on the wedding day yes. You're not a best man. You're not a maid of honor. I am the best man. Okay. Well, it's probably then the maid of honor than then the best man. Here's the tip I would give for you on that, okay? I'm ready. Let the maid of honor go first. That's what? the tip I'm going to give you. Why is that? Because I've been to enough weddings. I've seen enough maid of honor speeches. You're a, prof- you're a professional broadcaster, okay? She's going to be... Okay. You ever go to a comedy show? Yeah, the best one goes last, right? Yeah, well, okay. That is a thing but that's a thing in a lot of different shows. When you go to a comedy show, if Jerry Seinfeld pops up, the comedian after Jerry Seinfeld wants to just not go up at all because it's hard to follow Jerry Seinfeld, okay? It's hard, it's hard to follow someone that's great as opposed to someone that maybe isn't as great. And I had a, I had a professional DJ told me, tell me this one time. He says, he says, most made of honor speeches, they go way too long. They read off a piece of paper and they're just not as good. I don't know why they're not as good, but if you can choose, I think it's because most people just aren't as good in general, okay? Like, most people collectively suck at this. So if you can go second, you're going to seem better in comparison, especially since you do talk for a living somewhat, so you should have the the leg up that way. Unless you just think you're going to bore people to tears, and then, by all means, go first.
1: Oh, no, no, I'm not boring people to tears. Uh I'm aiming in a very short window to get a laugh and at least a cry out of my sister and fiance.
0: Okay, I was best man once. I was best man once in a wedding, and the maid of honor went first, and she did everything I'm describing to you guys right now, where she went up there, she read for like seven, it was easily seven and a half minutes, and it could have been an eternity, and she was reading off this piece of paper, and she was fumbling and bumbling over her words, and it was going nowhere fast. And then I got up there, and I seemed like I was Don Rickles, okay? I seemed like I was the greatest thing you've ever seen. I basically was Jerry Seinfeld up there giving a toast because it was just awesome. But it wasn't because I was awesome. It was just because the person that followed me completely vomited all over her shoes at every turn. So in this scenario, I would say I would say do everyone at the the wedding a favor. I'd say she goes first, you go second. I think you'll end up looking best in the process. Now, if you happen to run into somebody that's an awesome public speaker and you find that out ahead of time, like maybe the maid of honor won debate in high school or something, I don't know, then you need to jump the line. Okay, then you need to find a way to get first and then right that wrong. All right, so
1: do some research, a little bit of prep work go a long way here. Okay, I gotcha. I, I feel like this is one of those things too where. I feel a lot like you. Or I'm okay talking when it's a mic, but then I get in front of a room of people, and it's like, Ugh. it's a different beast. Is all it a whole is. Whole different beast. It's just it's different. It's the driving
0: range, and then going to hit real golf balls on the course. You might be a great driving range player, doesn't translate to the course the same way. It, they're just, it's different games, basically different games. All right. Anyway, good to hear, Jax, that you killed it. The 35 seconds that you that you killed it somewhat, somewhat. I I, I did my best. That's, that's all. That's all we can do. <laughs> at one point in life, I just, I put that together. It was very recently. Uh, and honestly, it might have happened with the, the speech I made where it's like, you know, I'm a try hard. I try very hard in things. That's just kind of how I am. And I hate it about myself because if you just care a little bit less, it's probably going to end up better. And at some point, you got to stop caring and you just got to say, as Deshaun Watson does, the hay is in the bar. I love this from Deshaun today, by the way. I'm not even going for this segue. I just need to put this out there. I love this mentality from Deshaun. It's like I was with the wedding speech a couple weeks ago where I'd done so much work on it. I'd really done it my all. And at some point, you just have to think to yourself, there's nothing else I can do here. I I can't change any. I've done the homework. I've done the prep work. I've put the work that I put in. I can't possibly do anything more. It's what I loved about Deshaun today, honestly. Like me preparing for a show. At some point, you just got to be, hey, I've been at this all day. I've come up with some good topics. I've come up with some good things. I, there's no more I can do here. I, I'm just, I'm wasting my own time if I continue to try to make every little thing perfect. At some point, you just got to get up there and do it. The just do it slogan from Nike came from something for real. Okay. Like at some point in life, you do just have to do it. And I think that Deshaun Watson's gotten himself to a point where, and just judging by how he sounded today, I would bet dollars to donuts, the man is just ready to do it. He's ready to get out there. He's ready to prove everyone that doubts him wrong. He's ready to go ahead and make a lot of believers out of a lot of the national media, as well as even some of the local media and and some of the local people here in general. I think there's a big part of Deshaun Watson that understands the job that he got hired to do based off of last year was unacceptable. He wants to do a better job. I think we're going to be dancing down Euclid on Sunday. I think Deshaun looks awesome. It's not just that we have a good spot to be in for week one. It means the next four years we are in it. If he looks awesome, great. It's not just about one week. That's one thing I think people got confused with with the conversation we had yesterday. Yesterday I asked you guys, would you rather have us win but Deshaun looks bad or Deshaun looks great but we lose the game in week one? And it was just so penny-wise and pound-foolish from so many people. The poll ended, I put up on Twitter, by the way. And Twitter reactions brought to you by Shabin Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. The poll ended with 86% of the vote saying they wanted Deshaun to look bad, but us get a win. And if I see the Al Davis just win, baby, one more time, I'm going to vomit all over this microphone. I, I think a lot of people, I don't know if everyone was just being very low rent during the day and trying to have the discussion, I don't know. But something happened there where I think a lot of people missed the the larger point. The larger point is that in this instant gratification world, I understand you want to reach out and grab the win. But for Deshaun and for our, the next four years, it is so much more important that he looks great on Sunday right out of the gate. Because I know he'll be there. And I know he's going to continue to be great for the rest of the season. If he looks bad... All sorts of doubts flood into my mind then. No guarantee. If he looks bad, there's no guarantee that he doesn't just stay with what he's been. I doubt it, but still, I'd much rather take, I'd take the loss and Deshaun being great right away with the understanding that for the next four years, all your hopes and your wildest dreams are going to come true. Congrats. Your lifetime wishes are about to come true if he looks awesome on Sunday. Because we got him under contract for the next four years, and we'd have what then, if he played great, would be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, which is the whole name of the game. It's all you're trying to do. I'm ready to dance down Euclid. I am ready to make a fool out of myself. I'm ready to dance down Euclid. I think Saturday, I think Sunday is going to be an absolute, it's going to be a party. It's going to be a kegger beforehand. And anybody that doubted Deshaun Watson... That's fine. You can sit in the corner with your Dixie Cup and then look like a a sad loser over there because you missed out. It's fine. All right. see what Daryl thinks. I'm dying to know if Daryl thinks that there was a different Deshaun Watson out there, at least from a speaking standpoint. Now, listen, you guys know this with Daryl. We've done this a lot with Daryl. There's no surprising Daryl, okay? So if I say, were you surprised that Deshaun sounded a little bit more like, hey, I'm confident, he's going to say I'm not surprised. So we're going to come up with a different way to phrase this for Daryl, okay? Because uh there's no getting past Daryl. Daryl no getting past him, okay? Daryl Ryder, the latest on Deshaun. We're getting to a Nick Chubb discussion at 9.20 as well. Off the beaten path at 9.40. Fan focus going to be moved because we have Daryl on at 9. Fan focus going to be at 10 o'clock. You see how we did this? Busy hour and 20 with you guys coming your way next. It's Overtime with Jonathan Petelman here with you on The Fan.